the police raid that killed Breonna Taylor, part of a plan to redevelop the Russell neighborhood. That is a new claim in a lawsuit filed against the city and three officers. Metro involved. Council members stunned by accusations from attorneys claiming Breonna Taylor's death stemmed from a need to clear out homes on a West End street. Our hope is that, that it's not true. As, as I've told everybody, this is such a fast-moving story that by next week, we could have a new allegation that blows this out of the water. From the digital journalists of WDRB.com, this is Uncovered, a behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRV.com. New questions in the tragic police shooting of Breonna Taylor. Was her death linked to city officials' desire to redevelop a specific block of West Louisville? And how police convinced a distraught Kenneth Walker to talk to them without a lawyer present, then use the information against him in a murder charge? My colleague, WDRB.com criminal justice reporter Jason Riley, has been digging into these angles, and I asked him to break it down here on the show. As always, send any feedback or suggestions to uncovered at WDRB.com. Now, here's my conversation with Jason Riley. Jason, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. So let's start by uh, reminding people what happened to Breonna Taylor. Her death is now getting national attention. Breonna Taylor is now a name gaining national attention. The former... We're learning more about an overnight raid near PRP that now has the world's attention. The raid that killed Breonna Taylor. The 26-year-old ER tech and former decorated EMT was killed in a botched LMPD drug raid. was killed in what's been called a botched LMPD drug raid. It started with a search warrant that was executed at her apartment in southwest Louisville on March 13th. Right. It was a no-knock search warrant, which means police can just burst into your home day or night without knocking. Now, uh, she was not the focus of the search warrant. Uh, somebody she used to know was. Uh, and police have said that they knocked. They have said that she was keeping packages for this person and that Jamarcus Glover and that he had also listed her home as an address. They actually went to five different places, search warrants for five different places looking for this, basically for Jamarcus Glover and Brianna Taylor's home was one of them. So they burst in and uh, in the early morning hours of March 13th and depending on who you believe, they either announced themselves or they didn't. But when they burst into the door, uh, Kenneth Walker, Brianna's Taylor boyfriend, says he thought it was a robbery. 3007 Springfield, number four. 3007 Springfield, number four. 1030. Officers encountered rifle fire. Officer down. Fired a shot and uh, allegedly hit a police officer. Police officers returned multiple shots and hit Brianna Taylor five times, killing her. The initial story uh, we and a couple other people wrote in March and didn't have many ripples, but 
after George Floyd's death, this case kind of caught fire and now has been in the news and months long nationwide protest and scrutiny of, of Louisville police and the city. Brianna Taylor was a former emergency medical technician. I think she was working as an emergency room tech at the time. And she had no criminal past. Uh, not somebody that you would expect to be caught up in a in a uh, midnight drug raid. No, there, there. In fact, there was no drugs found at her home, and Kenneth Walker, her boyfriend, was not even listed on on the warrant. Um, so they, they even have come back and one of the officer that was shot has, has basically said that, that it was a soft target, Brianna Taylor. This was, this was, uh, she did not have basically anything to do with these, with Jamarcus Taylor and his drug endeavors, except for, they said she may be, he may be having packages sent to her home was what all that was on in the warrant. Jason, when they burst into Brianna Taylor's apartment about midnight that evening, were they looking for Jamarcus Glover himself or for packages and mail that she had received allegedly on his behalf? Well, I think certainly the key focus was finding Jamarcus Glover. Uh, A secondary focus may have been to gather more evidence uh, see if there was packages that he had in there. But this was mostly coordinated around finding him. So her death sparked these protests along with George Floyd, this incredible unrest in the city. Uh, and bringing it up to the present, Brianna Taylor's family has filed a, it's a wrongful death lawsuit, right, against the city. Certainly, yes, against the city and the police department. And the the first lawsuit was just basically about how police got this warrant, burst in, fired, you know, more than 20 shots, including into neighboring apartments um, and kind of kind of a wrongdoing by police was the was the first lawsuit. Very common in all. Uh, shooting deaths by police for there to be a wrongful death lawsuit. Some of them are thrown out because there's clearly uh, police felt themselves in danger, but it but it is not at all uncommon for a lawsuit to be lawsuit to be filed. This lawsuit from Brianna Taylor's family took a very interesting turn last week with an amended complaint. For those who don't know. An amended complaint basically means you initially file a lawsuit and then you can change it by amending it to add new claims to the lawsuit to be prosecuted in the lawsuit. And the claims that were added by Breonna Taylor's family and their attorneys were rather interesting last week. Take us through that. Yeah, it was it it was. some people have said it uh, unusual, I think, because, you know, for the most part so far we've been – and to a large extent the city has agreed that there was police misconduct. They fired one of the officers, Brett Hankinson, for firing blindly ten times. So it's been, uh, I guess, a, a typical 
wrongful death police lawsuit, except in the fact that the city has has acknowledged wrongdoing. But this latest amendment kind of goes a step further. Police raid that killed Brianna Taylor, part of a plan to redevelop the Russell neighborhood. That is a new claim in a lawsuit filed against the city and three officers. Metro involved. Council members stunned by accusations from attorneys claiming Brianna Taylor's death stemmed from a need to clear out homes on a West End street. Brings the mayor into it and in a sense says that the, the home of the, the main suspect in the Russellville neighborhood on Elliott Avenue, that city officials were trying to revitalize this area with a large real estate development project, and they wanted Jamarcus Glover out of this house. And the attorney is accusing the city of focusing on Glover to get him out of this house. They they say the the the, the amended lawsuit claims that eight other People, eight or nine other people had sold their houses and left and given them to the city, but that, that Glover was a holdout and they needed to get rid of him. So they focused police on him and uh, tried to arrest him a couple of times, raided the house a few times, and it ended with these five search warrants to get him and to get this house so they could, so they could tear it down and revitalize the area. Jason, let me stop you right there and let's be clear about who we're talking about. Jamarcus Glover was the target of these search warrants, but the home that he was renting in the Russell neighborhood of Louisville is not Breonna Taylor's home. It's actually nowhere near Breonna no, Taylor's apartment. It's about she 10, was mi- not 10 with, miles away, actually. And she was not with uh, Jamarcus Glover on the night that she was killed. Her boyfriend is Kenneth Walker, who yes. uh, fired the shot at police. So we've got three different people here, and I just want to be sure that our listeners can follow this because from a distance, it it can be confusing. So in this new lawsuit, Brianna Taylor's family claims that the search warrant that police executed on her apartment in southwest Louisville was connected to a desire by city officials who are not the police who handle redevelopment of neighborhoods uh, that they were looking at Russell and this particular block and how to redevelop it and that they needed this one house that Jamarcus Glover was renting. Have I followed it so far? Right, and they, they, what they did, Chris, was they issued five no-knock warrants that night for places that Glover might be. And remember, they've said he was he used to be uh, a boyfriend of Brianna Taylor. He used her house as an address. They say he got packages there. So she was kind of a, and I don't want to say bit player, but her house was a possibility of somewhere where Glover might be that night. So they served the search warrant on his Elliott Avenue home, on what they call a stash house on a couple other places where they're going to find this guy somewhere in the city that night. So they issue all of these search warrants. Now, they supposedly found Glover before they actually did the raid on Breonna Taylor's home, which is another big part of the lawsuit, was you didn't even need to go into Breonna Taylor's home because you already had Glover somewhere else 40 minutes earlier. This is a... 
pretty interesting claim that that uh, the attorneys for Brianna Taylor's family are making. They're connecting some dots here, but I wonder about the evidence that backs that connection. Initially, my thought, Jason, as somebody who has looked at this, how the city deals with real estate, vacant properties, foreclosures, redevelopment, I know a little bit about that. And my initial thought was, it would be surprising if the officials at Louisville Forward, a very civilian-focused agency on economic development, were working in coordination with the sworn officers at LMPD to direct law enforcement activity for the purposes of of real estate development. I don't know that that to be true. Mayor Greg Fisher says no one from his administration or the city's economic development offices had conversations with LMPD about 2424 Elliott Avenue before the raid. Elliott Avenue is part of a place-based investigation. In terms of any specific property on that, there was no conversation with my office on that. But it would be logical for LMPD to be talking about specific locations that they had suspected criminal activity. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if the attorneys at this point have presented any evidence uh, of a connection between these two different arms of city government. Well, for starters, Mayor Greg Fisher, or at least a spokeswoman for Fisher, has said the allegations are outrageous and without foundation or supporting facts. I'm 110 percent. When I when I heard that, I mean, I was dumbfounded, Elizabeth, like who could have thought something like this up? So Elliott Avenue is a home with lots of vacant and abandoned properties. There's criminal activity taking place there as well, as was evidenced by uh, the search warrant that was a valid search warrant and had valid criminal activity taking place behind it. So people in every city and every so they've certainly in the strongest terms denied this. But there there is a quote from the lawsuit that says, you know, when the layers are peeled back, the origin of Brianna's home being raided by police starts with a political need to clear out a street for a large real estate development project and finishes with a newly formed rogue police unit. So I think that's something else we have to mention is they claim there's this police unit that assisted in this effort to try to get people out of these homes. Uh, And I'm I'm trying to find the name of the police unit. Uh, I've asked police about them and, and... The unit that you're referring to is called the Place-Based Investigations Unit of LMPD. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, Chris. I've covered police for 15 to 20 years, and I have no idea who that is or what they do, and I haven't gotten any clear answers. But that is what Aguiar calls this new rogue. Sam Aguiar, Breonna Taylor's family's attorney, calls them a new rogue unit that was responsible for trying to get Glover and two other two other people living with him out of this home. And one thing the lawsuit claims, Chris, is first of all, there's pictures of what this neighborhood is supposed to look like once it's revitalized. Another thing it says is that this police department, this this that I've never heard of before, worked with the city and actually lied to the people serving the search warrants about how big of a drug dealer Jamarcus Glover was. 
that he was actually just a small time guy and there would be no reason for these, you know, middle of the night raids to get this guy. So uh, what what to believe and what not to believe, I, I think it's going to have to come out in court because we're, we're only hearing little bits right now in the lawsuit. And uh, police are not going into detail much on this as they almost never do in pending lawsuits. I suppose we're going to have to see what evidence comes out and, and do some more reporting on this to understand that unit and what exactly may be going on there. But I do wonder, Jason, it seems that given that LMPD has already fired one of the three officers uh, involved in the Brianna Taylor raid, I would guess that it's not a matter of whether her family is going to get uh, settlement. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of the numbers. And I wonder, depending on how quickly that figure is agreed to by the mayor and the city and the Metro Council, whether the lawsuit is able to unfold to where we really get to the veracity of these claims that her attorneys have made, her family's attorneys have made, connecting these dots. Do you think that the court process will be allowed to play out to where we answer these questions? I don't think so, Chris. And I've heard a few things. First of all, I just don't think anybody uh, with the city side will want this to go to trial. But I've heard a couple different, people are telling me a couple different things about this this filing. One attorney told me that they kind of already had such a strong case with the city firing an officer, with the with the city changing policies, with their getting rid of no knock warrants, that this was and unnecessary. the public outrage, the right? public yeah. outrage that this wasn't really necessary. But I've heard somebody else say now this drags in the mayor and all of these other things. So maybe it's maybe it's a smart move, and and, and maybe it's true, and maybe it's a smart move to encourage the city to sell. Uh, to, to to settle quickly. I mean, right now, cer- certainly the mayor can say this was a reckless um, uh, reckless event by a few detectives. But now you've all of a sudden got the, the entire city and the mayor that mentioned in this. So I've heard it both ways. One person said he, you know, this maybe weakens the case because it throws it off the officers and brings up this other stuff that's hard to prove. But then again, it also brings the mayor in to have to defend all this um, and bring up maybe other information that they don't want to bring up. So I, I, I don't see this going to trial just because they've all, the city's already admitted so much wrongdoing on the part of officers. But this certainly adds a new wrinkle if it ever does. Let's turn to some other new developments in the Brianna Taylor case. Last week, you had a story regarding the detective who led the LMPD internal investigation into the shooting uh, and her role in the charges that police filed or prosecutors filed against Kenneth Walker, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend. Tell us right. about that story and what was what was significant. So, uh the the night a few hours after the shooting, after Brianna Taylor is shot and killed and Kenneth Walker is first meeting with police. He talks to Sergeant Amanda Seeley 
Well, so do, do you know who we are? We're the Public Integrity Unit. We investigate officer-involved shootings. So we're here just to try to find out what happened. And Sergeant Chad Tennell. Now, they're with the Public Integrity Unit, which investigates whether police committed any uh, misconduct, any crimes. And they, they talk Walker into giving up his Miranda rights and talking without an attorney by saying, telling him, you know, look, we investigate officer-involved shootings. Tennell actually says, this is like the Internal Affairs Unit. You know, this is like the Internal Affairs Unit, right? Uh, so we're you know, just kind of figuring stuff out at this point. We kind of want to find out what your point is. And, you know, you've got a pretty good perspective, and, you know, we'd always like to hear that. Um, but that would be all right with you. And so he, he acknowledges he's scared, but he agrees to talk to these, these two uh, police officers. Before we get started, I just need to go over. Uh, I need to read this rights waiver to you and have you sign it. Uh, talks to him for about an hour and a half about what happened. Tells his side how he thought it was he was acting in self-defense, that he never heard police announce themselves, that uh, he fired a shot when they burst in, and they fired several shots, at least five of which killed Breonna Taylor. Now, six days later... Today's date is March 19, 2020. We are present before the Jefferson County Grand Jury. Present is Assistant Commonwealth Attorney Stacy Green. A grand jury hears the criminal case against Kenneth Walker. And the person testifying against him, if you want to say that, on behalf of prosecutors to the grand jury. And here to testify is Sergeant Seely, Sergeant Toll Seely. If you will please raise your right hand and be sworn by the grand jury. Is Amanda Seely, who told him, basically, I'm looking into the police part of this. So she's also the one who tells the grand jury, and in, you know, maybe a minute and a half, she doesn't mention Brianna Taylor. She doesn't mention that he claimed he was acting in self-defense. All she says is... At the time of the incident, the defendant was inside the apartment and subsequently gave a, main, a Miranda statement admitting to being the only person to shoot from inside the apartment at police as they were making entry into the apartment. Kenneth Walker admitted uh, police burst in and he shot them. And... Kenneth Walker's attorney said, you know, this is ridiculous. I think, let me get to his exact quote. If the public integrity unit was investigating the officers involved in the shooting, I don't see how at the same time they can present the criminal case against Kenneth Walker. It raises questions about the purpose of the internal investigation. Was it to investigate what happened or to pin the case on Walker? I also... it, because it seemed odd to me that you would have somebody who was investigating the officer's wrongdoing who would also then go on and, and investigate Kenneth Walker's criminal wrongdoing. So I asked Commonwealth Attorney Tom Wine, he's the top prosecutor in Louisville, and he acknowledged that this was unusual and that a better practice would be to get an officer outside of uh, PIU, is what it's called, to investigate the criminal case. He said even a few years ago, he mentioned this to former Chief Steve Conrad, who agreed with him, but said basically, given resources, it had to happen sometime. Um, Wine said if Jason, it happens... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you think that the fact that police had someone who was investigating on behalf of their own internal affairs unit 
and telling Kenneth Walker that they're trying to find out whether the officers committed any misconduct, then being the person to testify against Kenneth Walker, Tom Wine, the prosecutor, told you that that's not an ideal way to do it. Do you think that that played any role in Wine's decision to dismiss the charges against Kenneth Walker? Uh, He did not say that. And because he didn't say that, I would, I, I I wouldn't speculate. I will say, however, though, as I said, the grand jury testimony was about a minute and a half long, and Wine said they they still have the possibility to indict Walker again. And one thing Wine said was, if we reindict Walker, and if he's heard in front of a grand jury again, we're not just going to put a police officer up there to share what they say happened. We're going to invite Walker to testify as to what happened to him as well. Because none of what he mentioned to these investigators was ever mentioned in this grand jury. Now, as, as you know, a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich and they are not – prosecutors are not responsible for p- putting his side of the case on in a grand jury. That's, a grand jury gets it further down the road and in a trial you would have both sides, but that – there, there is there is nothing necessarily illegal about what about that happening. So the reason that we know how the PIU detectives uh, introduced themselves to Kenneth Walker and got him to talk the night of the shooting without the presence of a lawyer is because the full interviews with Walker and with Sergeant. I believe his name is John Mattingly, yes. were released last week. Is that right? That is right. The attorney for Walker uh, released this information first to NBC and then to uh, several local media. We had heard snippets of it before, but we'd not heard the full interviews. So we, we hadn't heard that part. Do we know whether there are interviews with the other two officers who were involved in this shooting? Well, all I know... and is that Kenneth Walker's attorneys do not have interviews with Hankinson and the other officer is Cosgrove. Um, so that that's as far as I know. We they don't have access to them. They they were never get turned. Those were never turned over to Kenneth Walker's attorneys by prosecutors. And all of this, of course, is not accessible to us in the media yet because I imagine it's all under cover of the investigation that has been forwarded to Attorney General Daniel Cameron's office. Right, which was why I was surprised this was released last week. Um, You know, a a lot of information has spilled out about this case, uh, been leaked out, but the majority of it, and and especially now there's a, uh, I don't want to say a gag order, but there is an order in the the wrongful death lawsuit that uh, other information is not supposed to be released except to the attorneys right now, including like Breonna Taylor's autopsy and other information. All eyes are now on Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who is functioning as the prosecuting office, so to speak, in this case. Um, Jason, tell us how Cameron ended up with the key decision points here what he's looking at, what he's evaluating, and your best guess as to his timeline for (laughs) making a decision. I will say that every week there is a rumor that he's going to make the decision that week. 
but he just announced today that there is no timeline. We recognize the, the interest of the public in, in getting to uh, a conclusion of this, uh, but we also have a responsibility to make sure we get this right. And so, again, our team is working diligently on this. Uh, I know it's not been as quick as anyone uh, would have liked, uh, but know and trust that we are doing our best uh, to uh, complete this investigation in a timely manner. So, you know, we're, we're all just waiting. He got the case from uh, Jefferson Commonwealth's attorney, Tom Wine, who had to recuse himself for many reasons, but in part because at the time he was prosecuting Kenneth Walker, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend. So he recused. Cameron has the case. There was a lot of uh, disagreement at first about whether Cameron had the full case from LNPD uh, or that he was still waiting for bits and pieces of it. Um, I believe he had, at the very least, he has most of the case. Um, but we are, in the media, we do not know the timeline on this. Cameron won't give a timeline. And as you know, Cameron's new, so a lot of us haven't dealt with him. Um, so we don't necessarily, I, I certainly don't have a relationship where I can call up and, you know, even off the record say how long this is going to be. But he is, he's not providing a timeline, so... We're hearing rumors uh, every week. It could be this week. It could be this week. And uh, the weeks keep going by. I know there's tons of national pressure on Cameron and on everybody around here to, to get this moving. I mean, if you think about it, it's been, what, four months since this happened? More, April, May, June, July. Um, and one of the reasons there's so much pressure is people look at other places like Minneapolis where the where the officers were charged and, and arrested immediately and wondering why it's taking so long here. Well, let's let's talk about what Cameron is actually charged with deciding. He's looking at whether officers, the three officers who conducted this raid uh, and killed Breonna Taylor, whether they committed any crimes in doing so or whether there was just any misconduct. Yeah, sure. The, the officers involved, specifically involved in the shooting, uh, for example, one thing that has been mentioned is, did, did Brad Hankinson, who fired all these shots, including into neighboring apartments, did he commit what's called wanton endangerment? Did he endanger other people with his actions? So uh, maybe a grand jury will look at whether he could be charged with wanton endangerment. Um, they could look at the other officers for different. Did they, this is not an internal investigation where they may have violated some police procedures, this is an investigation of did they commit any crimes during this shooting? I mentioned wanton endangerment because it's one of the possible crimes they could look at. But an internal investigation wouldn't follow until after this. But this is for, this is for possible criminal charges against the th three officers. And I imagine his decision here is going to have big consequences, potentially, uh, if there are no charges. Um, a lot of people might be upset about that. Well, I think it's going to have consequences no matter what. As you know, Chris, we've had uh, protests every night for over a month. So um, there's going to be major reaction either way. Um, you know, there, there's people that have said, look, these officers did nothing wrong. They, they came in, they were fired on, and they fired back. W what's the issue? And then there's the other side that that says, look, they 
they completely botched this raid and killed an innocent woman. So yeah, there's going to be major reaction no matter what the decision is. Well, Jason, thank you very much for your in-depth reporting on this case. And I know that you're going to be continuing to follow what happens uh, and Daniel Cameron's next move, the next move with the lawsuit by Brianna Taylor's family. We appreciate you joining us today to break it down. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.